All right, we're having issues there on the phone. We're going to try and get a hold of Sipo Mantula again and uh, talk about uh, the issues around COVID-19 and how this is posing questions in terms of investment and infrastructure on the continent and uh, how are we doing on that. That song, Miela Africa by Vusi Matlasela, speaking of us uniting as Africans in terms of whatever it is that we're facing and the challenges. Are we doing that? Uh, let's uh, talk to uh, advocate Sipo Mantula, researcher at the Tabompegi Africa. African School on Public and International Affairs at the University of South Africa. How are you doing today, Putsipo? Refreshing morning, my sister, into the listeners, Jumbo Africa. Even if we are talking of a terrible pandemic, COVID-19, and as you have said, we have lost many grades, many souls have passed on from the continent now. Mm. Unmasking this virus, we have seen with the passing of Pierre Bioya, the special envoy on the Sahel in Paris, We've seen many leaders dying, going to get even medical uh, attention in foreign countries. And the state of health infrastructure in this beautiful continent, it is still going down, as we have seen from the COVID-19 since its uh, eruption in March. What do we read in terms of the health crisis in Kenya as well? Because that's what we started, you know, with uh, hearing a report by Sarah Kimani. Thirteen doctors have passed on there, and the the grievances are from the health, uh, you know, public health personnel are around making sure the quality and adequate personal protective equipment is there. If one looks at this uh, from our perspective, maybe in South Africa, you'd say, but this is a minimum requirement. Why can't they even uh, achieve this? You know, Sister Sandra, before I can go there, when I was listening to your earlier uh, voice notes, callers, uh, just the mere issue of water, mm. sanitation. When you, for me, I would, I would think that the point of departure is to link this public health system in the, in the continent with the human rights values. Where are we in this uh, continent? As you have alluded, that Kenya has already lost 14 doctors. And due to the issue around the basic things, just like uh, enough protection to the health workers, because this has been simmering since, if you remember, that Africa has faced epidemics before. We had Ebola in Sierra Leone, we had Ebola in Equatorial Guinea, and that was a, an early sign of us in terms of our public health system. But let me take listeners back to this journey that in April, the African Commission issued another report, a very informative report on the COVID-19 impact on the African economy. So you cannot look at the economy in isolation of the healthcare system. And that's where they were looking at, at the issue that our healthcare facilities, our patients who are already having other symptoms, whether it's HIV, AIDS, TB, malaria, they will definitely will be the victims will be the people who will have lack of access. And that's where the issues of human rights become relevant. And even how do we put public system mm. into the public community confidence? Because that's how, as you were alluding, that South Africa, East Africa, and Southern Africa, and even North Africa, by the way, are the hardest hit by this COVID-19. And if you look, the issues like basic things, shortage of medicines, Health equipment. We cannot in our townships, in the villages, we don't have IC units bed. We cannot have the issues not having oxygen. Those are the basic things that our budget of health, because our minister, I think, early this year, February, after the sauna, mm. there was a need to emphasize on the health budget rather than to shift money 
into ailing uh, SOEs, when actually the health issues, Sister Asanda, we should look at it in the framework of human rights. And in that instance, we might be finding many African countries committing human rights violations just on the, that aspect of the right to healthcare systems. On that issue of human rights, I mean, as we say, because the focus has been now on COVID-19, even uh, campaigns, you know, that cover things like measles, yellow fever, the immunization (laughs) campaigns and other diseases have been postponed uh, in at least 15 African countries this year. No, definitely. Actually, even our World Health Organization, what I I will normally say, they are calling it country chapters or country strategy chapters. I think they've been overtaken by... Event. We might be having epidemiologists, scientists, thinkers uh, sitting around, but once you don't imbue and invoke that spirit that you were earlier raising with the song of Busi Wahamatatela, leaders like Sankara, Nkrumah, Nyerere, they were always emphasizing on the marriage, the harmonious marriage of Western medicine and African medicine. Uh, the issue of human rights values, how the nationwide or the continental nationwide KFU came into force. It, 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 it was already exacerbating the lockdown levels of poverty, unemployment, and the failure of health infrastructure. Hence, earlier when we were talking about unmasking these uh, foreign trips by our leaders into foreign hospitals and not investing in their own health infrastructure. Hence, we see in this country that many SIU reports, if you look at the special investigation reports, they are already now looking towards public hospitals. They are looking at health ministries. We have an MEC in this province who has been laid off. So you can see already that the science and the indication is that we have never prioritized the right to health as the right to life, by the way. Mm, mm. And that's where, when you look at the African continent, the thinking behind even the regional lockdown, it fails to look at even the equality around the medicine regulation. Equality now that we see the hoarding and the fight over this vaccine, where we still find African countries are being reduced. Hence, you are raising the issue that people, your diseases like TB, malaria, epilepsy, asthma, are they now being relegated to the dustbin of COVID-19 recovery cases when actually it is not? And those are the issues that we find that I think our National Command Council, they should have looked even at the impact of what are the lessons learned in terms of looking at monitoring of our budgetary systems, looking at the training against us. And I think the other, another mm-hmm. important if issue... If you can just uh, hold that point, because on that issue of National Command Council, I want us to speak about uh, Kenya, the role of them <laughs> in the UN Security Council's governance. <laughs> yeah. But we need to take a short break, Putsipo. Please do stay with us. Let's continue with this chat after this. This is The Talking Point. SMS SAFM now on 41391. Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. Continuing our chat with advocate Sipo Mandula now, researcher at the Tabombegi African School on Public and International Affairs at the University of South Africa, questioning uh, COVID-19 and whether this is unmasking issues on the continent about investment and infrastructure on the continent. So I had to interject there to take a break, advocate, uh, but thanks uh, anyway for bringing the point around the National Command Council. I wanted us to focus on the UN Security Council and what that means for 
for governance on the continent, whether we focus on Kenya or just other countries uh, generally. African ministers uh, who had called for the expanding of the Security Council to include permanent representation for the continent. What would this help in terms of leadership and investment uh, into the continent? If it would. Have we lost? Okay, I think we've lost uh, Advocate Sipa again. We're having issues with our lines. And uh, as we try and get a hold of him, remember you can engage with us on uh, 061, that's WhatsApp, 4104107. And you can call in on 011-714-2006. SMSs can be sent to uh, 41391. And I see a question has come through for uh, Uputsipo. Please ask Uputsipo, Kenya interfering with Somalia. This is from Mr. Malim in Cape Town. Well, as soon as we get a hold of him, uh, we'll ask that question as well as more. Uh, thank you for your question. Uh, but do continue to engage with us here on The Talking Point. Advocate Sipo, are you there? Not yet. All right, let's take a short break as we try and figure out what's going on with our telephonic lines. SAFM Talking Point. All right, uh, before we got cut off there, but see, Paul, we were talking about the National Command Council, and I wanted to shift focus a little bit on the UN Security Council in terms of governance on the continent, whether we focus on Kenya or just generally. So we know some time back that African ministers called for this expanding of the Security Council to include permanent representation for the continent. Would this help, and if it would, in what way when it comes to investment and leadership and in turn dealing with COVID-19? Mr. Sander, I would say it is the same old story. 75 years of the United Nations uh, at, at the check of the Security Council, it has never changed. Nothing new under the sun or under the moon. Uh, we cannot even look at it. But remember that South Africa uh, have, uh, is now giving this baton to Kenya as a non-permanent member. What role have we played as uh, South Africa? Remember, we had a dual role. We were leading the AU. And at the same time, what President Ramaphosa did, if you remember, he did put up an international investment committee mm. that was led by even the former uh, minister, Trevor Manuel, and one woman from Lagos, and uh, I think another banker. But you will see that coordination has failed in terms of how Africa respond to now come up with their economic plan and focus on the health aspect because we are dealing with COVID-19 as what others will call as a health diplomacy or as a disease Diplomacy. Now, if you are dealing with it, you need to even cons- consolidate your your role that even when Kenya uh, come January 2021 will be taking that role, it has to learn from its own national response, how they have responded to epidemics and even pandemics that have faced Kenya. And you will understand that Kenya, in the rural counties, or what they call r- rural regions, that's where you have a problem of people who, are, who don't have access. To health, and that's where the international law framework guides the issues of international peace and security. Because it seems that is the threat that the world is facing now is the health security. It is no longer only mm. conflict that we are seeing. We see a new pattern of a war that is coming, and that threatens the livelihood. It threatens development and trade uh, as well. But the role of Kenya is to pick up the brains from. South Africa, as well as Egypt and Ethiopia, as they were playing the role in the Peace Building Commission. But now the Peace Building Commission, it moves now to the support of the World Health Organization, because I think that's where we need to emphasize our role, that as an African bloc, 
when we are in the UN Security Council, how do we look at unmasking COVID as well as a human rights violation? How do we look at COVID again as another um, issue around corruption that we have seen on the basic health equipment like the PPE scandal that we are seeing, what you call COVID-gate scandal, that have bedeviled most of our African countries. So the role of Kenya at the UN Security Council has to be strengthened even by that. They are, they are not only alone in that committee as well. They will be sharing that committee with Niger as well, as one of the African countries will be sitting in that committee. And that's how it is critical that the African bloc need to emphasize that COVID-19 it is indeed a threat against uh, not only peace and even security, but the welfare and the well-being of the African population or broadly the global po- uh, population. Of another concern is maternal mortality in sub-Saharan <laughs> Africa, which, I mean, has already been high even <laughs> before COVID-19. <laughs> so the, uh, COVID-19 will obviously exacerbate women's health challenges. How do we uh, deal with this particular issue? You know, that will take me back to when I said to Sister Sanda about where is the community solidar- I mean, solidarity. We can have the solidarity fund, but I think from even South Africa, we cannot play solidarity fund without communities. And these are the communities of practice. These are women, these are children, these are the elderly, the senior citizens. These are the newly uh, threatened young people of the age of 15 and 19 that is alleged that this variant that is coming. So the issue of putting the, the public trust into our public health, it is what is very critical. And the issue of even ethics, you know, the, one of the areas that we see from our health front workers is the issue of ethics. That hence I raise the issue of training, the issue of infection control. How do we understand and to analyze? Because the other role that we've picked up, epidemiologists have been at the loggerheads, at the crossroads, with the business, and at the same time, they have they've made health to suffer, and hence the issues of gender-based violence, hence the issue of food insecurity. The malnutrition that the African continent is facing is already exacerbating the COVID-19 situation. So for me, Sister Asanda, I still insist that the community solution, the community solidarity, the community response is very critical. The community intelligence that... We failed to even communicate COVID when it came. It came as it is a strange virus that people were now antisocial. The wording, the languages that was used in this COVID-19 situation, the global health emergency, the issue of COVID from Wahoon, and it ended up finding its place in this continent. And remember, Sister Sandra, this continent has been very resilient, and nothing stops us to fight Ebola, Nothing even, even stops us to fight HIV AIDS once we can put our system into place and we can have our checks and balances and avoid this greediness that we see in what we might call the health attenderpreneur COVID scandal that we are seeing breaking our beloved continent. Mm. We've got a very vague uh, question from Mr. Malim in Cape Town asking about the Kenya's interference with Somalia. Uh, he's not being specific <laughs> in terms of what exactly he means, but let's yeah, just touch yeah. on that uh, broader, uh, broadly. It is, it is a, a, a political crisis. It is around elections in Somalia. But at the same time, the crisis between Somalia and Somaliland, remember that Somaliland, at some point, it, it, it went to Kenya, and Kenya recognized the Somaliland leadership but at the same time these are the tensions that are in east africa between kenya 
and Somalia, and that will definitely affect Kenya's role at the UN Security Council. If I will try to to just join those links, even if we are in this pandemic or others, we call it a pandemic mm-hmm. of COVID-19. All right, we've got calls. Uh, let's start with Colin in uh, Cape Town. Uh, good morning, Colin. How are you? Good morning, Azanda. Good morning to your guests. Fine times. Okay. You know something? We've got a problem in Africa. Yeah, human rights. It's got actually no clout, no teeth. It's like a dog without teeth. It's got bark without teeth, without bite. Yeah, human rights. They talk about petty things. If somebody puts something on social media, slap another race in the face or something like that, then you hear the human rights, human rights. But you know, nothing was mentioned from the human rights when our our health budget was cut to to save uh, airways. Our police were cut. We got so much crime. Our education was cut. You know something? Africa needs number one uh, a good uh, medical uh, attention for all uh, citizens. Then your education. Then your service delivery. How many people on your radio this morning? Ten days, seven weeks without water. Where are the human rights? The human rights go and poke their nose in with little small things, somebody calling somebody a name or something, and then you hear the Mandela Fund, you hear the human rights, everybody steps in. They should step in Africa and get, make themselves heard and get themselves uh, 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 heard. And another thing is, is like a, have a criminal court, like an ICC, have a criminal court in Africa, because Africa, the citizens are suffering due to the People that's running the countries, those people should be jailed, even in South Africa, right through Africa. Clean up Africa. We've got the money, we've got the resources, but we need the corruption to stop. Thanks very much, Asanda. Thank you so much, Colin, for your call. Uh, a realist is calling us from East London. That's how you'd like us to refer to you. Good uh, morning, realist. Good, good morning to you and all your listeners as well. Um, I would like to uh, talk about Africa, but also starting with South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it seems like, uh, you know, our country is ruled by the ANC, and that is uh, because of the majority that they get uh, f- from the voters. So, in other words, that is majority rule. But to me, it seems that if that is fact, and they are being ruled by the majority, and the people that vote for them are the majority, the majority of South Africans must be ignorant or gullible, because they are promised the same things year in and year out. Every election, the same promises are made, and yet very few of these promises ever come to any fruition, and yet the people will go on strike, they will damage property, which makes the situation worse, and yet come the next elections, they vote for them again. So that is my first point, uh, starting with South Africa. Mm. Then the whole of the African continent seems to be, I don't know, uh, you know, they all blame colonialism and uh, being governed by the French and the Spanish and everybody else in the past. But to me, it just appears that from the time that they were given independence from Kwame Nkrumah and everybody right throughout Africa, things haven't got any better. They certainly seem to have gotten much worse all around. And to me, it is the people themselves, the citizens that are to blame because they have got the right, they've got hopefully enough common sense to vote for the people that do things and the ones that don't keep their promises, don't vote for them again. Mm. That's what I would like to contribute.
All right. Thank you so much for calling us uh, realist. Let's respond uh, now, uh, Putsipo. Uh, Colin, talking about human yes, rights, yes, yes. just looking at petty issues instead yes, of the yes, real yes. issues. And at the top of his list is health, which is what we, you know, focusing <laughs> on as well. What do you think of his suggestion of an African uh, ICC? No, Sister Sanda, you know, I do agree with the previous two callers, but what you should understand, I, I hope that our colleagues from the Chapter 9, the Human Rights Commission, they are listening. Most of that, if we have to put the framework of the human rights uh, body of, of, of rights, it, it is your Section 27, you know, Sister Asanda, where we, we are talking of healthcare, food, water, and social security. Those lines were not put by mistake. The matter is that we have government that is obsessed with money and tenders that even government, to, I mean, Chapter 9 to monitor all these violations have been given at limited resources. And in some instances, people frustrate the investigations in some instances. To have tribunals, yes, you will have what we call life as a as a case in point. But if you look at emergency health care, the medical treatment, when you saw of how unmasking the treatment of COVID, when people had to take tests, it was so huge amounts of money. People who had money were able to rush to the nearest a medical aid or a, a doctor. But the public service was left grounded in a sense that we were having more cases than even having more recoveries. Only because of our uh, uh, immune system, because even of our weather patterns. But the issue of blaming citizens, I, I would beg to differ with the second caller because we cannot blame citizens when citizens have already given their power to the elected representatives who have the mandate to govern with the policies and legislation. Hence, I was raising that the gray areas, lacunas that we find in our health policies, it is that the people who have to implement a bit slow to understand the agency and the emergency of the right to health. Because if you don't understand the agency, you will miss that what does emergency mean. And hence, we have the issue that even if you can have ombudsman, you can have dispute resolution methods of how to deal with the poor health system that we've been facing in this country. And not to forget that the African population in both colonial eras, in both apartheid systems, we were left uh, uh, squandering, we were left without anything. The health budget for the then white communities was very high. And hence, even today, you still have private hospitals in the cities. Very few of them that you see in your Soweto, in your other affluent suburbs that are coming up. But again, the, what then is the cost of the right to health? And that's where you had the national insurance scheme that the government wanted to, to at least elevate these poverty lines of dealing with the right to health. And that's what it is under mm. for the African court. I think even that falls under African Human Rights Commission mm. on African human and people's rights, which is based in the Gambia. And you will understand that commission as well it has already given different resolutions, concluding observations to the African Union. But I can assure you, Sister Sander, some people, they opt to gather those reports under the dust. Even the Human Rights Commission, it do observations on the right to health. They do those monitoring, but it comes on the implementation where we have what I can call sluggish and incompetent health workers who are just after money and they don't look at the issue of the right to humanity, which is Ubuntu. Or more to, more to
Mm, let's take another short break and then we'll just wrap this chat up. Uh, uh, hopefully the line doesn't do what it, it's been doing to us now. <laughs> it's a table, it to, I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's take a, a short break. Continuing with Advocate Sipo Mantula here on The Talking Point. SMS SAFM now on 41391. Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. All right, uh, continuing with Advocate Sipo Mantula on uh, COVID-19 and what this pandemic is unmasking about investment and uh, investment in infrastructure on the continent when it comes to health issues. On human rights, I mean, on the one side, uh, Putsipo, is uh, the striking health workers who are also people who need human rights. And then on the another side is the public uh, and their human rights. In this case, Health Cabinet Secretary in Kenya, the uh, Mutahi Kagwe, has ordered the striking healthcare workers to resume duty. And if they don't, then they will be fired. Is this the right response? You know, Sister Sander, you can say it is overreactionary, and at some point, we call it in the in the in, in the world of engagement, we call it is an insulting comment and a zone that he is coming from because <clears throat> the issues of labour disputes have to be critically an- analysed in the sense of balancing their rights, and at the same time, the right of the health workers as well is is even primary as well in this instance, because these are the health front workers who have been there all along. But remember that even another issue that we are facing in how the governments in Africa have been treating their doctors in most of the public hospitals is different from doctors in the private hospitals. And at the same time, you ask yourself, were they not in the same university? Were they not in the same classroom where they were learning the same remedies, how to deal with this COVID? But Sister Sanda, let me just problematize these issues to your listeners that even if you are talking of the doctors and the thinkers and the scientists to say the behavior that we are seeing now, either from the health workers or from the patients, is how do we respond? One of my colleagues from West Africa, he's posing some of the questions about our response. Is it the issue of not having behavioral scientists? Are we not having people who are here to monitor behavior, how people respond to the council? How do people respond to their uh, advice? And why there is this overwhelming fear that we are putting even into the workers, we are putting fear into the patients, and at the same time we are straining economy because the economy of the African continent, it was supposed to be growing with the new eruption of the Africa continental free trade, but it has to be uh, kept on hold until only January. So that's where you can see that that's where the challenge of dealing with lethal diseases mm. and at the same time respecting the rights of workers as well. We have seen it in Zimbabwe. Remember that Zimbabwe went on a strike as well at some point. We have seen it in Eastern Cape at some point when there was, there was no uh, PPEs. Eastern Cape Nehau was fuming on this radio every morning. So these are the patterns that we see as if people are just ignorant or people are not listening to the talk of the town, or even are they not listening to the talk radio? All right, let's leave it there uh, for now, uh, Advocate. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, to stay safe until we, we speak again. We always appreciate chatting to you. Asante sana, my sister, even to the listeners. Jambo. Advocate Zipo Mandula is researcher at the Tabumbegi African School on Public International Affairs at the University of South Africa. Let's... Uh, let, let, Take some voice notes. <laughs> okay, let's listen to some voice notes. 
Good morning, Asanda and your SAFM listeners. I'm very, very disappointed, Asanda, to hear your analysts not agreeing with the caller who are saying uh, the people, the majority of people who are voting uh, these crooks, ANC, are gullible. And he, he seems to disagree with that. Then I don't know how how other way we can hold or hold the, the the ruling party accountable, if not by not voting them out. Uh, hence, we are in this mess. If our analyst can uh, uh, cannot see that as a a way, thank you very much. Good morning, Mrs. Asanda. I disagree with the advocate Mantola there in your studio. According to my own understanding, the government is there in order to create policies and implement policies. In our country, policies are not implemented and the citizens are not holding the government accountable. And also citizens do not uh, obey the laws or policies rather. So it's a combination of so many things. So according to me, the blame should go to the citizens because they are the ones who are putting uh, the people in power. So they need to hold them accountable. They mustn't keep on voting for people that are not helping them. I thank you. All right, thanks for your voice note. Some messages as well, uh, talking about corruption in Namibia. I guess that links to our previous uh, chat on the African continent uh, and says that uh, corruption starts at the top. Then Let's get rid of the tender processes as well, which uh, uh, echoes on a lot of callers and messages that came through this morning. We can't blame the past to get to the future and year in year out we do the same talk the poorest of poor are to blame for their suffering because they vote for the corrupt that's michael from the northern cape thanks michael for uh, sharing that with us uh, another message uh, from tumelo in Clegstop saying uh, mozambique today is reluctant to combat insurgents because that will unearth their corruption south africa is heading in a similar direction once they've looted everything they'll create terrorists to cover their tracks uh, yeah Again, talking about uh, corruption on the African continent and how that relates to COVID-19 and uh, the investment and infrastructure that's needed in the health sectors. And we see there's a shortage, there's issues uh, everywhere uh, around that. So thank you for your interactions.